Hello and welcome to the Roll the Credits podcast, where I, Liam and Rob have just let the credits roll on a film, and for better or worse, I'm going to share those thoughts with the rest of the world. Before we start, though, it's probably a good idea for me and Rob to introduce ourselves, as this is the first episode. I'd say Rob is a film fanatic whose love of film spreads far and wide, and this podcast is his way of sharing with me his favourite films and the films that he can't believe I haven't seen. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I'd say that's probably about right. Um, I've been a lover of film since maybe I was about six or seven, started off watching it with my dad, and then, yeah, I've got a love for all different types of genres. As Liam has said, I've watched a lot. I own a lot. And there's a lot he hasn't seen. And there's a lot in recent times that, you know, I've shown him over the years and I've still got a lot more to show him. So we decided why not do it through a podcast? Yeah. And uh, so what, what's the first film on films that we're doing, Rob? And why, why have you chosen to bring these to me? Obviously, um, I've talked about my love for Planet of the Apes for some time now. Uh, me and Liam have known each other for 10 years and probably about five or six of that has been me saying, you need to watch them. Um, so the, the, the idea overall is to eventually watch every Planet of the Apes film, including the shit one, uh, which we'll get into later on. The but, child. But we've started off with the modern trilogy that 2011 to 2017, just because... I actually really enjoy this trilogy as a whole and I thought it would be a good introduction for him rather than me bring him into 1968 and I, I wanted to get a feel for it before we go down that, that road. So, yeah, um, yeah what, what, in, if we were to say in one sentence, what would your review be of the trilogy, Will? Well, yeah, to sum up, my, my sentence probably would need a little explanation first because... I I uh I would say my reluctance to watch these films has existed for a long time, and I think maybe it was just a fruit in part. My first exposure to Planet of the Apes was probably that Tim Burton film that came out, and just just seeing trailers and bits of bobs of it, yeah. I just thought that looks shocking, and just the idea of apes just becoming super intelligent and sort of taking around the world didn't appeal to me. And that being said, watching these films over the last few days, surprisingly, has somehow become maybe one of my favourite sets of films, or trilogy, may not be a trilogy for much longer, that I've ever seen. It's actually really surprised me in that sense, yeah. So, unexpectedly, one of my favourite trilogies. And I would say, for, for me, you got Lord of the Rings is like, you know, top tier, but... Uh, for me, you can't get much better than The Lord of the Rings, but um, Planet of the Apes, I would say, is on the level below. Like, you can't really get much better than it. it, it, it Lord of the Rings is probably the only better one, I would say. And, yeah, I just love it. Yeah, I agree. Lord of the Rings is just epic from start to finish, and each film on its own is epic and sort of stands on its own, whereas this film, I think, really, each film stands on each other, and it, and the films evolve and build on themselves yeah the, the, time that the, the foundations did. are built to create like an epic ending i would say yeah it's exactly like it's only epic once you've seen the three as a collective and how they build on each other and um 
yeah, that's the conclusion I reached. I, I felt like after the first one, I felt like, yeah, it was all right. And then you watched the second one, you went, yeah, this could really be built into something special. And then you finished the third one, you went, that was great. The way they'd gone from film one all the way through to the end was really well done. So if we're going to break it down, then let's talk about Rise first. Obviously, the first one with, you know, Caesar's upbringing and how it all comes about, basically. Like, what did you like the most about that one? Um, that's a good question. To be honest, from from the beginning, it was it was trying to win me over because I don't know. I, there's something. Well, I guess the world has already made a decision on that. But I was never really a fan of Franco anyway, and just obviously my reluctance to enjoy the films as they were. I feel this is the weakest film of the three, but. It makes the other two better by being what it is. Um, but yeah, definitely from the middle point onwards, once we hit the sanctuary and things start to get together, that's mm. where it really kicks on for me. So what, what, what did you dislike about it? Um, well, it's like, it didn't feel like, it, it felt like any other film in a way. It definitely didn't feel like the other two. The other two sort of felt like an epic from start to finish, and like a big film thing. But I don't think they would have been as epic without the first one doing what it did. I felt like the first one almost sacrificed itself for the other two to get to be better. Um, I feel like the first one was very like a gen- if it was a film on its own without the other two it was very generic. It was very it wouldn't stand up well as a film on its own. And um, yeah, yeah, you haven't uh, seen before. In terms of what I like about this film, is probably of with me um, watching this as I am now. What I really love about the film is the interaction that he has with the humans, and how that interaction directly impacts the the other two films, because yeah. everything he's experienced with them means that you know when we get into the other films like he has more compassion and he wants to try and approach things in a different way mm-hmm. but if i watched this 10 years ago i wouldn't have known that any of that was happening so yeah. i i would have a different thing that i liked about the film the most like back then but because i've obviously watched it so many times now i can't actually say what i would like individually about the film but what I dislike about this one is, like you say, I feel like it plays it safe and it's very, like, kind of generic. You probably wouldn't notice it as much um, if you hadn't, if you didn't watch, like, the other ones. But, mm-hmm. but in a way, I also feel there's so many films that I kind of like the first one. By the, yeah. we, like, we, we talked about while we were watching it that, like, it, it takes tropes and sort of puts its own spin on it, but I feel like the first one's the one that doesn't really put enough of a spin on it. Yeah. The first the first one feels more like a trope. And I, I, I don't know if the second and third film has shown why the first one's good or they've just they've used it. They the second and third film elevates the first film. Without the second and third film existing, that first film is just yeah, generic yeah, def- and planned def- on its own. Definitely, definitely. And I don't know if it was the plan from the start, or they've managed th- to craft th- that second and third film so well th- that it I makes think that they, first film integral. I think they always obviously planned for it to be like a trilogy or at least an, a second film. 
mm-hmm. but I um I I think I I I don't know I it, for me like we we talked about it a little bit before we started recording like the first film is made by Rupert Wyatt and the last two films are made by Matt Reeves and I think Matt Reeves his direction and the way like Dawn and Rot and War are made elevates Rupert Wyatt's work because I don't think Rupert Wyatt based on his Rise film would have been able to have the same impact that he, that, that Matt Reeves does with the films that he's made. I feel like, the, the I don't know, I feel like Matt Reeves films are a lot more, like you say, epic. Yeah, they feel cinematic, but, but I think it sort of suits the first film being different in that way. If, if because yeah. the other two exist, the first film can afford to be the way it is. It's like we, I know this is an odd comparison, maybe for most, but we're talking about Darkest Dungeon One, Darkest Dungeon Two, both having the same sort of core game in there, but two, both of them stand in their own right. Yeah, very different and, approaches. Yeah, yeah, and I feel they've managed to adapt and build, take what happened in that first film, and beautifully integrate it into that second and third. Whereas I, I don't think I would want to change the first film. I don't think I would want, if I could go back in time and have, say, Reeves do the go back and have done the first film, I wouldn't want it to happen. I feel like that first film needed to be the way it was because it perfectly set, because it gives depth to the second and third film from the characters that we know, from where they've come and where they've gone. It's like yeah, you're seeing the, the evolution of not only the apes, but also the characters. And at the same time, the film revolves in the same way, and they all intertwines. And the first film becomes great in its own, but only because the second and third film exist. Yeah. It's so weird. It's um, it's interesting, really, because obviously we're going on to Dawn, where it's basically the entire film really is a civil war between Cobra and um, Caesar. But the foundations of the philosophy of each character only exists, like you said, because of the first film, because yeah. Caesar grew up in a nice environment and Koba was tortured every day of his life. So that those experiences that are established in the first film, that it you like like you say, it's elevated because in the second one that all comes to a, 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 yeah, a, like a major yeah. yeah. So what what did you like the most about about Dawn then? Well Dawn just it it takes it to that whole new level. It that's when, like, when I watched the first one, I was like, okay, this could be all right. It depends how the second film goes on from this. And the second one just feels epic. It, it just, it, Matt Reeves just gives it that feeling, like you're watching something special. And, yeah, having, the, I, my favourite thing about the second film, and really only fully appreciating that from watching the third, as we've already talked about, how the first one beautifully integrates into that and builds the, the depth and the story and the the, the, uh, the difficulty uh, Caesar has within him from you know apes and humans and right and wrong and trying to balance the two yeah and no matter what he tries to do uh, you know he's got both sides humans and apes doing the right and the wrong thing and it just leads him down a path that he doesn't want to go uh, which is the third film yeah it's uh, it's fantastically executed I uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you can totally understand why Cobra does the actions that he does in the second one yeah. because of his background. Whereas some, I find in some films, you kind of 
you're watching the characters do it, but you don't really understand why mm-hmm. what the what the motives are. But the everything's so clearly defined in these films, and so like it, it it was all written like with like forward thinking. So like yeah. like you say that the foundations in the first one, then the second one, and the third one, everything like built on each other. Whereas some trilogies what are only made trilogies because of money. Yeah. So the character development in those is just like um, it's haphazard because you know different writers, different ideas, mm-hmm. and nothing really complements each other. Whereas this, like you say, everything is it all works to to build up to a crescendo. Yeah, they they, they, they like, don't get me wrong. I feel this film's quite tropey as well. You know, you got the humans, you got the apes, and Caesar reluctantly you know, lets them work, and they sort of build that bond, but then. It obviously goes tits up, and then they end up having a war. But they've got to work with the apes and the humans to stop the civil war. And uh, yeah, it, it was all very tropey, but it, they've done it so well. And yeah, the fact I, that I there think, were apes really yeah. brought out war to it. I think it's um, a compliment that even though they, they they took like an existing trope and but made it feel somewhat unique by obviously being apes that are dealing with these issues. But I, I would say my my biggest dislike of this film is the the villain and like that the, the human characters that like are friends with Caesar and trying to help Caesar. I think are, are quite good, but I think like the the villain Gary Oldman. I I just think he's he, he merely exists for to be the catalyst for everything else that's happening. It doesn't really have any depth to him, I don't he think. He is, but I don't think it, I, I wouldn't even class him as a villain. Like, it, it's the same well, as Well, um, no, but I, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's the same as Cobra, though. I feel like you know, Cobra's just trying to do what he thinks is best for the apes. Yeah. And, and you know, Gary, Gary Oliver's character, he doesn't he doesn't know much about Caesar and the background and how actually intelligent these apes are and the relationships between the two. He's just seen the outcome of the fallout due to Cobra. Um, so again, it's like he's sort of a villain and he's not a villain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I just feel like if I had to nail down like a weakness, mm. I would say he's probably the, the weakest one for me. Yeah, definitely. It's probably the least developed part of the film. Is yeah. That? But what about I, you? What 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 do you dislike the most? That's a good question, Rob. Can't we really think of it off the top of my head? Or is there anything that, like, when you were watching, you thought this could be better? Well, the things that annoy me the most, and it's sort of the same as in the first film, that the little things that annoy me are where they sort of poorly create the reason for moving the plot on, like. In the first film, the way there's just a couple of moments that annoy me where you know, when they're working in the lab and they're trying to put the gas, I think, on Cobra and he reacts, and that little bit of piping comes loose, so he gets yeah, infected with yeah. it. And it's just like there's no way a lab would be set up in that, that pathetic way at that level. Yeah, where uh, I come I from a science background, yeah. like my, I, I taught science in high school, and like you would have better standard of level or equipment. With the I think, in there. terms of like, like, like there's little things that bring yeah. me out of the immersion, and it's the same with the first film where they didn't realize that uh, she was pregnant 
uh, they, they would know that they're pregnant. They're doing these tests. They're, they're trying to figure out variables. They need to know that the drug they're using is making the impact and is doing the reason they need to eliminate all other variables. They're going to know this fucking ape is pregnant. And there's little moments like that that sort of break my little bits of immersion for me. The, but I think the that's one just... ca- caveat with that, I think, is like in my mind, I can sort of semi-explain that they didn't know she was pregnant by the fact that the company is by money motivated and probably just like hired all different kinds of people who probably weren't fully experienced in what they were doing. That's how I explain it in my head. Uh, like a lack of. Um... But I feel like you're you're trying to patch a whole. Well, I mean, I, I've already explained that Rise for me is the weakest one, and I I think also writing wise is the weakest one as well. So that I I think if you'd have put that hand that that film in the hand of like uh, Matt Reeves here, if he did on the first one as well, I reckon that you probably would have had a tighter. Uh, that probably wouldn't have been a scene. There would probably would have been a different approach to it. So you, you think Dawn is the, the no of the ra- three? no no Rise is the weakest one. Oh okay yeah no I agree I think Rise is Rise wise writing wise also directing wise I think it's just the Rise weakest. wise director wise is definitely much the weakest and uh, yeah the second and third just pull from what was there to, that elevates yeah it they, they, they take the they use that material it, yeah. so well that it lets that first film stand in its own right and by that film sort of being not as good. Again, goes with what I said. Like the films evolve at the same time as the apes and the story and the, yeah. the epicness, and it it sort of mirrors the films and the apes is the development. And then we, we, and I don't. I think that's almost accidental, but it worked. We move on to put my personal favorite of the trilogy, War of War of the Apes. Which I, it makes me cry. I'll I'll, I'll straight up, but. I, the, the ending of this film, I was, I, I'm always in tears, man. Yeah, this film, yeah, like it's this film that elevates the whole, the whole trilogy into being epic. Like it was at the end of this film where I went, okay, yeah, this trilogy is fantastic. This film makes that first film that, like, the first film for me on its own is a six out of ten, and the second yeah. film it elevates it to maybe a six point five to a seven, and this film raises it again to maybe a seven point five, um, maybe a bit too kind to a, to an eight because of the way they use it, but only with these films existing. Yeah, that, exactly. yeah, this is the film that elevates it to that top level. Uh, like cinematically, there's so many. There's just uh, there's so many elements in in this one specifically. Like uh, like you say, that I mean the beginning. I mean the the whole waterfall home and stuff. Like the the yeah. that looks beautiful. That does. Yeah, the 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 world that they built for the fields to take place in is so well done, and uh, that helps the story because it's all everything is complete top tier epicness and, and cinematically feels amazing and ah and this film it's weird like when i first started watching it like with the first part of it you think this is like if this was just a normal war film you think that was done so well that was an epic bit of a war film and then it moves on that it's like a journey of a small group and it had like a sort of western feel to it but going out through the open and uh, up against the odds and there's like four or five different types of films in one but yeah you got the massive great escape at the end and all then that. you get to the yeah like the great escape bit and i, I don't, but it does it right you think uh, yeah, it, like, all on, on paper, it looks one. like a mess and it's weird there's too many ideas thrown like you've got too many cooks in the kitchen type deal 
but it's weaved perfect. It's That's so cool. good. And, and again, because it uses all the material from the first and second film so well to do it. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Uh, I just for me, like like you say, it this film, like the action, like in the whole war aspect of it is great, but also like the the journey and the the development of the characters like i feel like there's there's a lot of not just caesar and you are obviously my favorite maurice he develops more in this one and then like even got got characters like luca when he like you you understand that he's like you know he's one of caesar's boys and Mm -hmm. you know he he's the 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 bruiser like the general type and then when obviously when he dies and you know that, that that's emotional in itself, and then from there, I feel like what I feel like once Luca dies, the film just like goes on another level of like the, the of everything. You know what I mean? Because that gives Caesar his reason to like to to go on with everything that happens. Yeah, and like you talk about Maurice, yeah, he got to like develop the characters developed more in this one. But again, it's because of the first one. Like you see Maurice in the first film, how he interacts with him in the sanctuary. And then the second one, you see you know, how he develops the balance with Cobra and Caesar. And you see him interact with the kid, with the book, when yeah. the, you know, trying to trust the humans. And all of that builds that character to the point where you see him with Nova. Oh, yeah, he becomes it, like the father figure for her. Yeah. And, but also just the relationship he has with Caesar from one to three and the things he does, oh, I, I, it's weird. I, I, to me, it almost feels like it was almost accidental. I feel like it's so well done that they couldn't have even planned it to be that good, the way it all fits together. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, I reckon the it was accidental on Rise's part, but then, but then Reeves obviously took those elements that he liked from Rise and built upon them. Yeah. And I, I actually think, like, um, Woody Harrelson's character is like quite quite well defined in this one. Like you, you can understand like, like it's kind of like Cobra and what you said about Gary Oldman. Like it, it he was like he he knew that humans as they are mm-hmm. were on the way out, and it, obviously he is the, the the things he does in the film when he talks about how he killed the people that opposed him and stuff. Mm-hmm. He, you can understand that he, in his mind it, it was do or die. So I feel like he's a lot more defined than Gary Oldman's character, for example. That's the thing. It was do or die. Uh, but yeah, he was definitely a lot more developed than Gary Oldman's character. Like It was a step up in moving the story on. But yeah, it was do or die, and, and you think he's this big, horrible person that's done all these horrific things, but then at the end, and I'm expecting this big showdown when Caesar's gone back, and he's, yeah. you know, he's said, this is his Cobra moment where the hatred's taken over, and he, he just has to go deal with it, and you're expecting this big fight, this big thing, and then you really, you see the real of Harrison, yeah, and like clearly everything he's done from his son to, you know, the terrible things that's just taken a bigger toll on him than than he's shown and he's obviously just not shown it because he's had to keep his people going on the back of that well yeah because uh, well, well he gets obviously he gets infected from uh nova's uh teddy yeah i think that's like... when it sinks in like yeah he, he hits that point and he realizes he's done all that crap and i think he because re- he talks about nature earlier in the film where nature's sort of punishing humanity for what it's done yeah yeah and i feel like that he 
that he he sees that as nature's punishing him for what he's done as well. And really, the, the, nothing he could have done would have stopped anything. And no. all the sacrifices that he thought he made for the right reason was completely pointless in the end. So I feel like. The, the, Yes, him getting sick was the catalyst for that, but he also he wasn't upset maybe because he was sick. It was the sickness that made him realize that. Yeah, I think, I think this, you can tell at that point he's accepted death, like for sure. Yeah, and he's just realized, yeah, there's what he, he should have yeah, clearly regretted shooting his son because in the end, nature was always going to win. Nature punished humanity and it punished him. And um, yeah, and I, I, initially I was quite upset. I think you heard me in the film when he got in there and he's got the gun to him and he's angry and he's... Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to take that moment to actually start because the CGI and the way they get those gorillas and the emotion to come across them and the way they got those apes in those films to be as good as they are is incredible. They look amazing. You can get the emotion through them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's so good. And you really see it in that moment where Caesar's there with the gun and he's got that emotion yeah, and, and he's anger like, and he's, you still see it at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. And it's so well done. It's so CGI is brilliant, the emotion is brilliant, the motion yeah. capture, the way they've done it all is so good. And you're in that moment and you're like, right, this is gonna fucking go now. This is where you're gonna see Caesar full on. Full like you give in to the dark side sort of thing. Yeah. Where he where he realizes completely understands Cobra instead of like yeah, but more having anger to Cobra just understands Cobra even though he was wrong, and then and he sort of pulls it down and he shoots himself. And originally I was disappointed. I was like, that's just taken away. He watches him do it as well, doesn't he? Yeah takes away an epic moment and then it, like 30 seconds after i felt that sort of like let down i realized no that, that's 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 the right way to do it because it finishes off the colonel's perfect story arc and his realization you know nature's come back to get him it, it's the caesar's origins and everything that's built yeah. up in caesar yeah like, like, yeah like if, well. if, C- if caesar had shot him i think it would have undone all of the the character development that yeah, it, yeah. The other films have been working towards because he would have gone against his principles, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it was just uh, that's probably my, probably was my favorite part of the film was just having that moment where it got up to it. And I was like, here he goes, and he's got his guard, and you see the emotion and the anger, and it's so well done. And then I had that initial feeling of, oh, really? That's how that bit ends. And then ten seconds later, I, I, I realized how good and perfect it is uh, that's probably my favorite whole moment just just that my brain clicking throughout those 30 seconds i like uh, i like the bit where um red donkey finally decides not to be an arsehole well, you you see it as well building up this you can hear me during the film it's like go on then just do it you know you're gonna i was yeah. expecting to grab the nmg and turn and shoot them or something like, i i was like they built up to that moment so long that I thought it was going to come earlier than it did. And then and even when the such a good moment. came down to save Caesar, I didn't even realise that was him. I thought that was coming from the missiles from <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the army approaching. And then he turned around and he is like, oh, there we go. Now well. he's finally... <laughs> yeah. Now he's finally kicked in. And then, yeah. And again, the film, it's like it keeps that epicness and that cinematicness. It doesn't go into like, oh, he becomes a hero and he joins them immediately no. afterwards. Yeah, that guy bang, is there God, with anger, like shot in the head, and it's raw and it's cinematic and it's epic. It yeah, just maintains it, the film. I, I, film. I, I think 
if you've turned like that moment in Red Donkey into a hero, yeah. like you could, they couldn't have done that without it no. feeling really weird because it, yeah, he has spent a lot course. of the film yeah. by torturing his other yeah. apes and stuff and just that one that one out of like saving caesar doesn't redeem all that whereas i feel like in no. some films they would probably try and sell it as like yes. that is a redeemer that's what i mean the film maintained its epicness like these nowadays they'll be trying to redeem him and and oh and he becomes good and he can forgive what he's done and he's you know, yeah no this film's just raw it keeps its feel it's cinematic not everything in life is great you know from cobra to you know even in the sanctuary and this is what i mean with rise in the sanctuary and you've got flipping that's how bad like, in my in my mind he's always going to be the harry potter malfoy guy and you have malfoy in there torturing the apes and treating them like crap through it there's that there's still that rawness to that evilness and there's yeah. no and, well, and, think, well and, red and, red donkey's well, death is um like he accepts it as well like you can tell like as soon as oh, he, yeah. he fires he's, that bullet he knows what's going yeah I like seeing the emotion of the soldier's face behind him. Like, that's just, I don't know what, I'm assuming an actor that I have no idea who he is. It's probably nothing. But I felt the actor was brilliant in his way that he just turned around the actor yeah. show and just him just standing there, Red Donkey. Yeah, oh, he like, drops really his hands to his side and he's just like, just shoot me out. I know it's coming. Yeah. And I feel and I feel like he's also accepted the bullet because he sort of realized the he shit realizes he's what done. he's done. Yeah. And he's just like, like the Colonel. You... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that, that's what I was going to say about Malfoy. In the first film, he gets his comeuppance. He gets, he gets, you know, he gets killed in a horrific way with the water and the electricity. And, yeah. And it's horrible. Whereas, you know, oh, the good thing happens in the end. Whereas the films evolve from the first film to the last. It's not always. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's not always roses. Yeah. Like, there are like sacrifices and consciousness along the way, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it was, I don't know, uh, the trilogy in itself, and I keep saying trilogy, but it's not really going to be a trilogy anymore, but I don't know what to call it. The set of films, we don't even know if it's well, going well, a, a quadrilogy. I, I, I think you could say this is Caesar's trilogy, because obviously the impact Caesar of Caesar arc. will be felt. Yeah, the, yeah it's, it's felt, an arc, but... but yeah. Well, it's a trilogy about Caesar, isn't it, really? Caesar's trilogy, but uh, the fulfill, the way it sounds like, you know, it directly continues on from it. It... it uh, all the films, there's gaps between each film. It has well, the natural progression. The um, so. we haven't watched the originals yet, but the no. originals have like they have Caesar's teachings. There's like the Bible in the in in those films. So I'm mm -hmm. wondering whether they might go down that route as having like Caesar's principles as being their way of life, and then so while it, he'll be impacting it, it'll just be. Caesar's got his own trilogy, and then I mean, they might have Cornelius um, be in it. Be in it. Um, he might, he might be the the main character this time because he'll grow, he'll have grown up at that yeah. point. Yeah, that's it. So the question is how far, how far years wise is it from, yeah, right, uh, from war? So it, it's it'll be interesting. Uh, the concept art and from what the little like brief synopsis of it just gives me massive horizon vibes. Like just the the way everything looks, going trying to connect with the old technology that they've got real no connection to, it just completely feels like Horizon to me. So hopefully, it continues. Yeah, I mean, uh, the trilogy. We, 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 we've talked obviously before the 
by a podcast, we got a bit of trepidation about whether it will really be able to carry on the quality of the others. But I feel like they, they've got to really. The, the, the foundations are there. Like they, they surely can't go too wrong with it. Yeah, it's just, you know, with Reeves not being fully involved, I know what's his name, Rick Jaffers there. It's just, you know, I don't know much about Wes Ball. You were mentioning him. He's the Maze Runner guy. I've not seen those films. So, all, I mean, the all I'll say of Maze Runner is like the, the final Maze Runner film is kind of like made in a way that's similar to the War of Planet of the Apes. Like everything all like culminates in it. It does have that epic scale to it. So I feel like he can do an epic scale film, but I, I'm also, I feel like I quite like if they maybe reduce the scope back to like the Dawn level, because Dawn was quite, it was quite a reduced scope. Like there was a lot of big epic moments in it, but the actual scope of the idea, the film was quite small. And I wonder mm-hmm. maybe that might be a good base to start off from. But I feel like the scope sort of had, like, they, they do a good job of these films of it really being a funnel instead of just jumping from one film to the next and it gets, you know, the scope gets bigger and bigger and it's so yeah, ridiculously. Yeah. Like, it is a natural progression. And I feel like they, they pick the perfect time jumps between each film. Oh, yeah, definitely. And with Caesar's death at the end, it allows for a good time jump now and to really move on, but hopefully still keep the first three films bleed through a bit. It would be interesting to see if they jumped it forward by like 100, 100, 200 years because you would really start to see then the divisions between like those who followed Caesar's teachings and principles mm. and and those who might not. And you'd also like, you, you'd really like delve into like the aftermath on the humans and whether some people might have actually resisted the change in the virus and and whatnot because mm. i'm curious how they go about because they've obviously already established in this one that eventually the virus will, will reduce everyone's speech and mental capacity so now we're jumping forward again but mm-hmm. obviously there, there is plenty of humans in the cast yeah how are they going to approach that yeah because what from what yeah the, what they've given as the little bit of tidbit that we have about that film is it sounds like humanity plays a, a very minimal part in that film apart from one or two characters but if there's mm. so much human people cast then how how does it move on from that i don't know but i guess we'll just well, have uh, to find out uh, i mean yeah in exactly really a year from when we're recording this so like, we'll, we'll probably have to do it uh, a podcast revisited it and, and probably listen oh. back to this one and talk about like what we were what what was we're right and what was 100% wrong. Hundred percent gonna have to do this film when it releases. We need to just get out there, watch that immediately. Yeah, like, you've really. It's so funny that the whole idea of Planet of the Apes just does not interest me at all, and couldn't be bothered and now i've finished that third film in the last few hours and i genuinely can't wait <laughs> to watch the next one <laughs> it's so strange and even now like the whole premise of the thing doesn't interest me that much it's just been so well done from one to three that oh, i can't wait for that fourth one and i think the and maybe it's gonna cause issues when we go back to watch the original films but because this has been so well done as a set of films in its own right that i'm 
going to find it harder to enjoy the original films. Well, in, we'll, in, we'll in, in a similar way to what we've talked about here, where the sequels build upon the foundations that are set, definitely the third and fourth Planet of the Apes films, like they they were almost like part one and part two. So there's there's definitely like levels to the 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 films themselves. Like I would say actually when I think about it, like compared to a lot of films that came out by back then, they probably did have a lot better writing in these than your typical like sci fi films of that age. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were just like throwaway T V movies or whatever, but yeah, there is actually like a progressive story through the five, and but I think okay. I think you'll appreciate that on some level. Yeah, I, I mean, I might enjoy it, but uh, yeah, just from how much I ended up loving that the the three films we've got so far, I just don't see how it can live up to how I, I feel. I, for I, these. I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that you'll love the originals as much as you'll love these ones. But yeah. we were talking about this as how like your exposure to because you asked me if I watched the originals after I watched these, but I watched the mm-hmm. originals first. So yeah. the, that that probably does have an impact to it. But um, I, I guess we'll find out when we go to it, to be fair. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have a, an episode down the line once we've watched all these old ones. And we could talk about those and how I feel between that one and this one. But... Uh, so in conclusion, then, uh, I want you to pick out You've already somewhat said it, but I want you to like pick out your favourite moment out of the three, or favourite moments if you've got one or more. See, that's the weird thing about this, these films is most films you have your favourite part, or your favourite character, or your favourite bit. But the thing that's made me fall in love with these films is just the development from each one, how each one bleeds into each other. And like you, you can almost trace back the steps of how each moment has derived all the way from the first film, and that's the thing that's really taken me. But I don't know. I think my favorite favorite moments were just just in the third film, having like like watching that war bit at the start. I thought, oh, this could be an incredible war film, and it's a you know, totally different from the first and second. And then the other, it's a complete different other type of film, and. It keeps wowing me at being different films, yeah. but yeah, probably my favourite moment of all three is the bit I mentioned where I had that initial disappointment with Caesar and the Colonel's confrontation, and like yeah, the initial yeah, like, oh, is that really it? And then realising and thinking it through and connecting all the dots and all the things he said, so all the things that happened to Caesar in the first film, the second film, and Cobra, just how it all comes together. Like that, like that thirty seconds of thought I had. I was like, fucking hell, they really made these three films so good together. There's not many films, if any, where I've had a moment like that. That's why I love it so much. I would say, like, my favourite, maybe not a moment, but just the the writing for Koba and Caesar, and uh, Mm. I just love how the, the entire, like, the moments they have together, Wade's, you could tell they're both on the right, like they're, they're both on the right side in a way because they both want the same thing, but they're taking it from different ways. I really love like the whole like, writing aspect of that. 
yeah, and how you can see why they have those decisions and, and yeah, how it's built up to that and how Cobra goes off and he sees the depot with all the guns and all the ammos and stuff. So, but he, oh yeah, it's so well done. It's, and oh yeah, I, I really surprised. I did not think I would love when we were starting this whole podcast idea and we talked about a load of films that I hadn't seen that Rob wanted to show me. I, I'm not going to lie, when you put these three films as our first choice, the first thing we we're going to have to do, there's a little part of me that was a little bit disappointed because I didn't think I was going to enjoy them. <laughs> and now I'm completely, completely taken over by them. So, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely uh, love them. Uh, sometimes I admit my, my taste might be questionable, but I, I knew that if you give these a chance, oh. you would you would appreciate them. Yeah, your tastes are questionable, and people will soon realise as we get for. I think we've got some amazing films that we picked coming up that I haven't seen that are renowned good films. But once we get past the those first few, like you have some weird and crazy shit, and some things you've shown me over the years, and I'm like, how is this a film? This is shit, and I'm going to mention it now. Rubber. Just... I mean, I- I'll tell you straight up. You think rubber is like what the fuck? How have they made this into a film? I've seen some films come out in recent years that even I wouldn't go near anywhere fucking near. <laughs> There's like one about like killer killer pair of jeans and and stuff Jesus like yeah and yeah like honestly like that's yeah, so that's what I mean. You agree it's shit. Whereas rubber, I, I, I think genuinely I would, I would have enjoyed. Rubber. That's the thing. Like if Robert on its own, I just watched it. I'd find it hilarious and I'd love it, just because it's funny in its own right and it's different. But but at the end of the day, it is stupid and crap. But it's so original and different that it's funny. But because you genuinely talk about it like it's this great film, with, like no, I, I, I don't I don't think it, it's a it great film. Me, I just think it's a more. really like I just think it's a fun. Like, it's a film that's completely fucking bizarre, but it knows it's bizarre, and that's why I like it. Because there are like, it 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 understands that it, it the idea of it is ridiculous, and it just sort of runs with it. And it, I mean, a Rolls perfect example of that is at the end when when he does eventually get killed, the tire. And he reincarnates as <laughs> the fucking tricycles. Like it, so it, 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 it knows it's fucking mental, and that's what I like. There, are, I, I like that aspect of films. I like films that don't hide what they are; they just embrace it. Yeah, but I don't know. There's just something about it. I don't know. Eventually, we'll have to watch it together eventually. But I don't know. But that, that's the thing. Like that, I'm mentioning that. And there's way weirder and way crazier films than that that we'll probably eventually dip into at some point. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, if, since I've mentioned it now, at some point, we are going to have to watch the uh, the Killer Jeans. <laughs> What's it called? Is it called Killer Jeans? Uh, I'd have to... Just, oh, maybe <laughs> Killer Jeans film... It's called Slacks. S L A. Oh, the name and it's oh, I hate it already. I hate the name. Came out twenty twenty. <laughs> a possessed pair of jeans terrorizes trapped workers at a trendy clothing store. Oh my god, I hate it already. <laughs> and do you know what's even more? It has a five point four out of ten from three thousand people. Probably too generous. But yeah, that's that's that's. 
So so that's the end of episode one. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us ramble for about 50 minutes. And yeah, uh, yeah. we'll see you next time. Yeah. Do we know what we're going to do for our next film? Oh, the next one, according to our schedule, is uh, an absolute Asian favourite of mine, House of Flying Daggers. Now, I absolutely adore it. Yeah, and it's one of those films that I've always heard about as being one of those great, great films that I've just never, ever seen it, like, at all. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. I've got higher hopes of that one than I did for Planet of the Apes. I don't have any hope for Planet of the Apes, so it'd be good to well, find certainly be interested to see if, if there's uh, a reverse by the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, so, I guess we'll find out. Well, on that note, we'll see you in the next one. See you in the next one. Roll the credits.